Hello and welcome to Two Tacos High, a handbell podcast. I'm Brian Zeman. I am Nick Hansen. And Two Tacos High is, as always, a podcast where we talk all things handbells, talk about current, upcoming handbell happenings and events, or interviews, guests, and other surprises. Today we're venturing into the idea of other events that may be around the country. Last week, we were excited to welcome Linda Onorevoli, the Executive Director for Handbell Medicines of America. And that just got us thinking about um, all the other events that are around once you've kind of scratched the itch of seminar during the summer, what else is there? Especially heading into the summer months here in the United States, when there are numerous camps, festivals, conferences, workshops happening all over. The ones that really pop in mind, I think, for us immediately are here on the East Coast. We hear a lot about Lutheridge Music and Arts Week. That's in Arden, North Carolina. And that uh, Michael Hellman is leading the Hamble events uh, or Hamble choirs for that one this year. In Montreat, North Carolina, at the Montreat Worship and Music Conference, Sandra Ethan and Brian Childers are doing handbells this time. And then here in uh, Virginia, at the Massanetta Springs Bible and Church Music Conference, uh, Mike Joy is leading the handbell uh, events during that week. For those of you not on the East Coast, there's also the Zephyr Point Summer Music Conference on Lake Tahoe in Nevada, and that's run by Tess Houston, Barb Walsh, and William Brian Kyle. And then there's also the Intergenerational Handbell Camp in Parkville, Missouri, which is near Kansas City. And that is directed by Linda Ashley, Janet Carter, Stacy Cunningham, Kathy Ford, and Gail Welk. Now, this list we found was honestly just through ones we know about, uh, maybe have a connection to. I did lead Massanetta Springs one summer, but honestly, we don't know everything. So look in your, in, uh, your area, check things out, uh, do like just a very simple kind of internet search for handbell summer workshop or camp. And there may be something um, in your area, state or nearby state that might have like a, maybe a church conference or another conference that could scratch that itch for you. The coming month or so is also a big time for area festival conferences. Traditionally, and I don't know how many of the areas still stick to this, but traditionally, Areas 1 through 6 held their conference on odd years, and areas 7 through 12 held their conference on even years. Check with your local area to figure out if they are still following that pattern or not. I know here in Area 3, we have not. That's right. We've basically gone every year. We just, we're at the point we can kind of keep it going, which is great. But I personally don't know about the other areas and what conferences or festivals they have at the time. So yeah, definitely check your area out for specifically what is available. Yeah, at the time of recording, I'm about to head up to Area 1 Festival Conference and excited for that. I, it's been a while since I've actually been at an area event. My first handbell events were some of the area festivals. I mentioned, I think, in a previous episode, I grew up in New Jersey in Area 2, and the first handbell event I went to was the Area 2 Youth Conference, and that was with Tim Wah. I think we mentioned that in the Tim Wah episode. And that was my first introduction to handbells outside of my church. So area festivals are a great opportunity to go out and meet other people who are ringing your instrument if you've never been to a handbell event before. Most of the events are attended by full ensembles, but most of the events also have orphan ringer categories. If you want to go as an individual ringer, I know Area 1 specifically has even has a bronze ringer orphan ensemble that you can join if you are a bronze level ringer but want to attend individually, you can still do that. I'm glad you actually mentioned your area experience growing up with Tim Laws the clinician because I had a similar experience. My first festival was 1994, Area 8 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which was near where I grew up. And first clinicians I ever rang under were Hart and Marty Morris. So both uh, Hart and his wife. And I was just, I'll age myself, it's fine. I was 13 at the time. First experience in this, and I loved it. It was such a, such a neat event. 
But one very distinct memory I have was, and I hope she'll forgive me for telling this story, but it's, it's a Marty Moore story. She had a very distinct Southern accent, very distinct. And she apparently, her bells back home in her choir was GA4. So she became friends with all the GA4 ringers on the, on the ringing floor. And she'd like, she'd say, who's out there? Who's got the GA4? And I can't do a Southern accent. So I'm not, I shouldn't even try. Um, but like the dollar is like, you GA4 is like, I just, you're my bells. I want you to knock the fire of those bells. I love what you do with those bells. It was just a really kind of funny moment. But that's something that just sticks with me from a first festival experience. But going back to the area events, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the bronze events because area three has, I hope, started it back up. I was privileged enough to, to do it this past time. Had a really great time leading the bronze event or area three. Uh, and track or as a, as a track for for their one of their spring festivals, but don't don't be uh, just wedded to your own area. Yes, absolutely, get out there in your area and and ring. But you know, if you're nearby to another area, what's going on for what they're doing? And here in Area Three, I, I had some folks come from Ohio when they to do the the bronze ringing track, and it was awesome. So travel, go take those take those steps to to ring where you want to. But yeah, definitely check out your uh, HMA area website and see what's going on. Uh, because they'll they'll accept orphaned ringing too. So they'll feel like you have to be a part of a choir to do that. One of the other great things about area festivals is, yes, they are a mass ring focused event. Uh, so the primary portion of the event is a mass ring, but they've also got many classes and many classes that are devoted to all levels of ringers, but including beginning ringers and beginning directors. So if you or somebody you know is pretty new to handbells, either ringing or directing, this is a great introduction to them because of the different class options that can really introduce them to the instrument and get them started off in a setting where they have the support of many other handbell musicians. It's a great learning experience. It's a great opportunity to take those ringers that in your group, whether you're the director or just a fellow ringer who like, Hey, there's more to this than what we do here. Let, let me take you to this thing and let's let's experience this and kind of guide you to meeting people in the bell world that whether they're composers or, or great teachers to just go beyond the confines of your worship space or your classroom. If you are, however, an advanced level ringer and want to attend an event that will really push you to grow as a musician, there are many opportunities for those as well. One of the longest running of those events, I think it's been going on for about 45 years now. Um, and both Nick and I have attended this event, is the Bayview Week of Handbells. Yeah, this was an amazing experience. I've only gone once, uh, but I was fortunate. Uh, Jeeve and I had both gone. It was back in 2007, which some were like, oh, I know that year. Either you were there or you just know the meaning behind it. It was their 30th year. And that was when uh, Don Ayred took the baton for the last time there and, and led his final composition epilogue. Quite a moving experience. I mean, one, just being present at the event and being with a hundred other Hemble ringers who are devoted to generating wonderful music. Uh, but, and the camaraderie of it too, that's, that's one of the pieces I think with Bayview, that's such a, such a wonderful piece is you go beyond just the bell table. Um, you're, you're likely rooming with someone in a house that you've rented for the week or a group and just having a, just a great time enjoying each other's company, hanging out. And of course, just ringing handbells all week long for a great concert at the end. So we were fortunate enough that we went that year uh, with a group of handbell, wonderful handbell people in the house together and performed uh, under both Don's baton as well as Carl Wilsey's baton. Yeah, I have been wanting to go to Bayview for several years now and finally had the opportunity to do so for the first time this past summer. And I almost immediately decided that I wanted that to become an annual tradition. And so I will be returning again this year. And actually, I am also additionally excited because I will have a piece on the program. Well, that's awesome. That's really cool. That, 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 that'll be a part of that. It's really great how we have, you and I both have kind of hit Bayview 
over its many years. I mean, when it first started, let's be honest, neither of us were, were born. But from that point, like Don started this such great idea for, for handbell enthusiasts that has just grown and grown and grown at a site and a space that he loved dearly. Carl Woolsey took the baton around uh, 2003 and just kept that going and building the level of it. And now Fred Grayman officially in charge since I think it was like 2018 or so around that time when he began. And just just how much from what I've heard and, and understood from talking to many people, Brian, you included and other friends, just the musicality and the connection and the the amount of just, let's be frank, like awesome music you can achieve just that week together. Yes, absolutely. Even from a performance standpoint, Fred is absolutely a conductor who is very clear with his expectations and they're very high expectations. But having a conductor like that in front of you really pushes you to grow as a musician and what you can accomplish. And that's why I attend those type of events. I want to continue to grow and I want to be challenged and pushed. And Bayview is an awesome opportunity for that. So to this day, I've actually never rang under Fred's baton. But Brian, you're so right about just ringing under the baton of someone while it's such a moving and amazing experience for you, the musician, to to learn and 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 grow as that musician. In our situation, it's also taking it like to the next generation too. You're you're learning how to teach and different ways to approach music, which works for all of us conductors and and directors out there. Uh, we want to pass that knowledge on. We it's, it's we love what we do. We love the experience, but like who's who's coming after? Who's coming next? So to to be under the baton of someone as as amazing as Fred Grayman, um, and others, absolutely, it's like. Uh, wow, I'm learning so much. I'm becoming a better musician. And what can I do to share this with my fellow handbell ringers and, and students? Speaking of the opportunity to ring under some fantastic conductors, one event that I've had the opportunity to attend in the past and definitely is on my radar to attend again is Virtuoso, which is directed by Bill Payne. Now, I've never gone to Virtuoso. This one, the schedule never works with my my school schedule. So Genevieve, uh, GB has gone. She's been a participant there a couple of times. And we think of that event, because this is the one with, with the Rotherringers that they have set up with Bill Payne. And you're scratching two itches <laughs> in a way. Itch number one is you are having an opportunity to ring alongside a community ensemble. In this case, the Rotherringers. You have a couple opportunities to ring with them. Not like in their choir, but it's, it's like a double choir setup, right? The performance actually is, yeah. Yeah. So you have that, but also the itch being scratched. I'm just going to keep that analogy going. Scratching that itch of uh, of bringing under Bill Payne, who is right there at the top. Yeah, the one thing that has set Virtuoso apart from many of the other handbell events that I've attended is it really is performance focused. The end goal is a full concert that, as you mentioned, is is a joint concert with the Raleigh Ringers. They do about half the program. Then Virtuoso gets up and does about half the program. And then there's a combined piece at the very end. OK, so you see that, I get, but I got a question. What then you have the, the very specific viewpoint where you have participated in both Bayview and Virtuoso and let's say even distinctly bronze where all three of them, at least from me on the outside, I've only been to Bayview, all three of them have a set rehearsal time together with a performance at the end. What do you feel like differentiates the three in that regard? Based on my experience, and this is just what I've taken away from the events, there's almost like a spectrum of where the weight is either on the the rehearsal time and and the working with the conductor versus the focus on the final performance. Distinctly Bronze, I've at least attended those events and gotten out of those the week that I actually spend ringing um, and and working with the different conductors. That's something, an event that's unique because it is a different conductor every event that you have it. So that's sort of the focus is getting to work with whoever that conductor is that year, at least in my experience and in my opinion. And not that the concert at the end is 
secondary, but it, it seems like the the focus is is on the the actual week of working with the conductor. Bayview is kind of, in my experience, in the middle of that, where there definitely is an emphasis on on getting to work with um, at this point working with Fred for the week. But there is definitely an expectation that there is a high level performance at the end as well. And then Virtuoso is the far end of that spectrum where the the goal of that event is the performance at the end. And everything you do for that whole week is focused on preparing for that performance. Now, again, that's my personal experience with those events and not saying that that's 100 percent what everybody else <laughs> attends those events for or has experience as well. Because everyone will be different in their experience, whether it is with the conductor, whether it is for the performance, whether, even if it's just the rehearsal, the work put into it. Yeah, the, the individual approach will be different for, for all. Send the hate mail to two tacos high at gmail.com. Speaking of which, to plug this, like we don't get a lot of email from you all. We, we want we want correspondence. So, yes, please do send email to two tacos high at gmail.com. Now, there is one more event that's coming up. It's in its inaugural year and in California. I just know about it because I've heard it was occurring, but I didn't have the opportunity to apply uh, to audition for it. But Brian, I know you have, and that is Zenith. So what can you tell us about Zenith? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So as Nick said, this is the first year that it's happening. Um, And it is a handbell event that is led and conducted by Alex Giebert and Matt Compton. And so I'm really excited to work with both of them. Both are great conductors, both are great composers. And the feeling that I've gotten from this is similar to the Virtuoso feel where it's really the performance at the end. And the the event is really sort of trying to see how they can push the boundaries of of handbell ringing um, and handbell artistry. And so I'm really excited for that because both uh, Alex and Matt, if you've played any of their compositions, you know that their compositions themselves kind of push the existing boundaries of handbell literature at this point. So what kind of like, how's the rep look for this event? That's one of the things I'm really excited for. The repertoire includes some traditional published handbell pieces, but also includes a couple unpublished pieces. Uh, Matt and Alex and Alex's brother Christian are, um, all have pieces on the program. We're also doing Steve Reich's clapping music, which is not even a handbell piece at all. Okay. Um, so it's yeah, it's definitely repertoire that that pushes the envelope a little bit, and it isn't just a, a whole concert full of standard handbell repertoire. I know one piece in particular that I'm looking forward to performing is Alex Giebert's Overdrive, which is a sequel to his Drive piece. I actually did a video of a self ensemble playing Overdrive and played through every position of that piece, and it's a really fun piece to play. It's difficult, but there are a lot of really fun rhythms, and it's a a lot of fun to just play that piece. That's on your YouTube page, right? That is, yes. Okay, so all you got there is like a YouTube Brian Seaman, it'll pop up. Um, but I, I've watched that. That's really awesome. But I'll, just a quick tangent, like when you do those things, it's so great how it goes beyond just the handbells. You you add some other things to it, which by the way, the Giovanni Giovanke intro and outro of this podcast is very similar. All right, so that's the rep and it's in August, right? Correct. It's the very first week of August. Okay. Now I know where it is because... This is one of the reasons why I wish I could do it. It actually takes place at my alma mater, Concordia, Irvine. I have many memories of performing uh, on that stage and the the chapel there, which the way I describe the chapel, it's a very mini looking Space Mountain, which I don't know how accurate that is, but it always reminded me of Space Mountain from Disneyland, uh, colored blue. But it's a really, really wonderful place to uh, to perform. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I didn't realize until almost recording this episode, I didn't realize how many handbell events I'm actually going to this summer. But it's it's going to be a busy summer for me, but a lot of different type of events that I'm really looking forward to. When it's all down on paper to look at it all, it's like, oh my gosh, there's actually quite a bit out there. So hopefully what we've kind of gone through on this, not not at all exhaustive list. There's definitely things out there we've missed. 
which also you can send to us to let us know. Looking at this list more more in detail, though, really all these we've mentioned are are here in the summer months, as, as Brian had said earlier. And, but that means it's not that's not it. As we mentioned, really, with like with the website, the area websites, festivals do take place from September through May as well. I know March is a very busy time for for events in areas. Usually, they're typically like uh, like I know the Raleigh Ringers has a, a capital area like Young Ringers event. There's also a not a Young Ringers, but another event that takes place too that Raleigh does. Virginia Bronze has been doing some things, which we're really excited about. But a lot of community groups and other uh, just kind of local areas are doing their own. Uh, usually kind of two or three day events that are really great to uh, to be a part of, which again, you don't have to be a part of a choir to do that. Just uh, do some searching in your area may not be exactly affiliated with with HMA. So you'd have to do your own kind of research. But I bet if you uh, look around and, and kind of dig deep a little bit, you'll you'll find something that will uh, continue the, the phrase scratch that itch. Hopefully this episode gave you a few ideas of where you can go to scratch that itch. Mm-hmm and some events to look out for. If you do see either Nick or I at any of these events that we mentioned that we'll be at, absolutely stop by and say hello. If you have any comments about our podcast or any ideas for future episodes or just want to chat, feel free to do so. We love feedback. It'd be great. Looking ahead to our next episode in the next couple of weeks, we've got a fun plan coming up. We do. We're going to start something we're calling the Handbell Hangout. This will be the first one of, we hope to be a long running series where we'll invite a couple of friends of ours to join us and not to give anything away, I think for the next, for this first one, but to talk something that I think we all can relate to as, as handbell ringers, but we'll be excited to introduce our, uh, our, our friends hanging out with us in the next episode. To make sure that you catch that episode and any future ones, be sure to like, subscribe, follow us. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram, both at Two Tacos High, all spelled out, T-W-O-T-A-C-O-S-H-I-G-H. This podcast is available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Podcasts, released every other Tuesday. We don't have a website yet. We're working on it. The goal is to have that up and running by seminar. So I I feel like if I say that here on a podcast episode, that'll really get us moving to get that ready to go. Uh, But it's in the works, and as soon as that is live, we will definitely share that with you all so that you can contact us much more easily. And by the way, I, to, to mention this, a quick thank you to all of you out there. Quick analytic search through both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We've had over a thousand listens That's on our great so far. first episodes. So we appreciate that very much. If you can and, and are willing, we'd love to get some ratings, get some responses. So please do uh, just the clicks, the comments. Um, I'm sure that will be a great way. Uh, it's a definite boost for us uh, throughout the internet, but it also just kind of makes us feel good too. So that would be awesome. But we've mentioned it a little, a uh, couple of times kind of silly throughout this episode, but yeah, do reach out to us. We would love to hear from you, whether it's just reactions to episodes, whether it's experiences at these events, if it's some ideas for future episodes, we we want some feedback. So do not hesitate to contact us at two tacos high at gmail.com. A couple of thank yous once again to a few individuals who have helped make this podcast possible. Jillian Perdos designed our logo and does our graphic design. Mike Joy was the arranger of the Ivana Ivanke that we use for our intro and outro music. And Genevieve G.B. Hansen is our producer, social media manager. Mm-hmm. Thank you once again for joining us on this week's episode of Two Tacos High, a handbell podcast. I'm Nick Hansen. And I'm Brian Seaman. And we will see you next time. 